Hey, welcome back. This week, we're continuing our discussion on design systems and the role they play in helping teams design at scale. If you've had any experience with design systems, you'll undoubtedly be familiar with the concept of atomic design. It's a way of thinking about how we break down the patterns and components that make up these systems. Over the past few years, the concept's received pretty much global attention and has made huge contributions in helping people articulate and understand what these systems are for. It's safe to say I'm a bit of a design system nerd, so you'll be unsurprised to hear how excited I was when I found out I was going to be sharing a coffee with the creator and the author of Atomic Design, Brad Frost. Brad joins me today to talk about where the idea for Atomic Design came from and his views on the role culture plays in the future of design systems. It's going to be a pretty insightful episode, so grab a coffee and join us. I'm your host, Mark, and this is UX Coffee and Code. Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'd love you to start off by just diving into Atomic Design, telling us a little bit about what it is, where it came from, um, and what it means to you in your day-to-day work. So Atomic Design is is really just a mental model <laughs> uh, more than anything for, for thinking about user interfaces in a, in a systematic and sort of hierarchical way. Um, it was kind of born from uh, getting into a lot of responsive design stuff. So I had been sort of working with responsive design stuff since kind of the beginning, even just kind of before the beginning of responsive design. Uh, I was working as a mobile web developer at an agency, which like, at the time, like kind of wasn't a, a priority for most web people. And I kind of got this gig and I was like, what's what's mobile web? Got into the whole, um, you know, making like M dot sites and all of that stuff back in the day. And um, so whenever responsive design came around, we started leaning into that a lot more. Started quickly realizing that it wasn't the entire page that was really difficult to kind of adapt across the, the whole sort of resolution spectrum. It was really just like, oh, navigation is tricky. That led to a project called This Is Responsive, which was kind of a, um, a roundup uh, collection of these kind of patterns of like, here's 17 different ways you can slice navigation. Here's a bunch of ways you could do breadcrumbs. Here's different ways you could sort of treat images and stuff like that. And so that sort of got me thinking about, you know, patterns and sort of components and, and kind of these, you know, sort of discrete standalone, you know, yeah, UI components. And at the time, things like Bootstrap were around, you know, sort of mm-hmm. becoming quite popular. But it was it was kind of a very coarse thing. It was like, here's these components, build pages out of them. And I was kind of, I found myself going, well, that that's, there's more to that story. It's a bit, if you've ever seen like the, draw the rest of the effing owl, have you ever seen that image? Or it's like, it's like, draw these two, <laughs> yeah. cir- it's like how to draw an owl. It's like, draw these two circles. And it's kind of like that. And so that kind of got me thinking about, well, how, how might we be able to sort of put a finer point on this and actually sort of say like these things flow into these things, which flow into these things, which ultimately make up a, a, a product kind of page. And so that's what led to creating Atomic Design was uh, sort of thinking about this and sort of like blowing this out yeah. into, you know, taking cues from my high school chemistry class and, and basically saying, okay, well, 
you know, in nature, we have, you know, elements, hydrogen, carbon, oxygen, things like that, these building blocks for all of the, the diversity in our, in our universe is all sort of comprised of these sort of finite set of elements. And as it happens, you know, we have that in the world of user interface as well, right? Where if we were to explode any user interface, like any interface mm -hmm. at all, whether yeah. that's Slack, whether that's Zoom, whether that's a web page, whether that's your bank's kiosk or, or whatever, um, you know, Microsoft Word, doesn't matter. You blow all of the, those interfaces up, what are you left with, right? You're left with buttons, you're left with sort of, you know, text elements, you're left with, um, you know, inputs, you're left with, you know, kind of these basic building blocks, right? Which in the world of the web kind of translates into here are HTML tags, essentially. I, I've dealt with many teams that are like, we have, we created our buttons, we created our cards, we created our form fields, like over here, off to the side, and it's not working, nobody's happy, but da 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 And it's like, th this is the, the, the solution, is, is you need to sort of hitch these things mm -hmm. together. Like, it, it isn't a design exercise that's off to the side. It is a design system must power real software applications and so this this kind of mental model allows mm -hmm. us to sort mm -hmm. of connect the dots and like so you're not just looking at like a reference site for a button and you're like okay well this yeah. looks fine i guess but like i don't really yeah. know like how this gets used or utilized and so so yeah so atomic design has been you know from what i've read for with a, it certainly in my own work but but with lots of other uh people across the world have found it to be beneficial to like help. I, I, I think that's its main strength is, is really connecting the dots between the design system and the products the design system serves. Did, did you ever expect this to be so um, wide reaching and popular? Certainly didn't expect it to, to sort of have, uh, we'll say like this long of legs, but like I'll say, you know, I'm just a, at the end of the day, I'm kind of just a web developer and it continues to be a helpful structural thing for my work. And uh, if for anything else, I've, I've found that to be kind of rewarding. It's just like, oh yeah, I've like landed on a few conventions mm -hmm. in my own work that have helped me and helped my, my clients and my teams that I, I manage and, and work with. I think language is fascinating and buzzwords are fascinating buzzwords tend to have yeah. kind of like a negative connotation but really it's about like here's the shorthand for an entire concept um you know that that ends up <laughs> you know sort of yeah. shortcutting a lot of things now there's downsides of course to that as well where like maybe not everyone has is thinking the same things design systems is one of those terms where you can yeah, say design exactly. systems and like 700 people have 700 definitions of it um, but even things like responsive design, um, you know, sort of while Ethan, you know, sort of deemed that, you know, uh, fluid grids, uh, flexible media and media queries, those are like the yep. sort of three ingredients. It kind of became a buzzword for like all encompassing, like multi-device design, right? Like, like creating experiences yeah. that work across all these devices. Yeah. Including techniques that weren't in the original definition. Same thing with like atomic design is like there is the sort of like five discrete kind of like, you know, sort of layers of atomic design. It's not like a linear process. It like all happens concurrently. But like 
that's less important than I think atomic design as a term becoming a helpful shorthand for we're talking about component driven design and development and 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 that seems to be the things that i see in like some often cringy uh kind of business <laughs> documents and sort of things like that but generally the the, the gist is there right where they're talking yeah, about like yeah, we are creating like this kind of like deliberate component driven you know, user interface system, like, however that shakes out, right? Let's like, I define the specifics of it in a certain way. Not everyone uses those specifics and that's perfectly okay. So, so I, I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with sort of like where people have taken it. I'm happy that, yeah, you could sort of present your design system to the rest of, of the organization and they go, oh yeah, like atoms, molecules. Yeah. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Like that, that's great. That's great. One of the things that I, I think is really interesting, and you touched upon it then, is this idea that a design system is not necessarily separate from your product, but it's it's really tied to it. And, you know, we're not saying here that you start off with atoms and work your way through, but instead, you know, like up the, um, up the scales of granularity all the way to pages, but presumably you continue to traverse from like macro down to micro to adjust stuff on the atomic level and then back up to pages to see how that works. Is that, is that the way that you think about this? Uh, generally, yes. But, you know, f for the majority of the design systems I work on, so like just as a bit of context, so I, I'm a, a consultant. Uh, so I like help kind of, I help teams work and, and create design systems. And sometimes that takes the, 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 the form of, you know, saying, do this, don't do this, you know, making recommendations, sort of sharing my own experience. But then a lot of it is like, is, is hands-on where we're the ones actually architecting and building and sort of co-creating these systems with our clients. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, I've had the very good fortune of being able to duck my head into like all of these different organizations of all shapes and sizes and build design systems for a multitude of different scenarios. So sometimes it's like, here is one website that, you know, we are going to sort of create a design system for. And, and in that case, it's like a, a pretty self-contained thing. But uh, increasingly, so many of the organizations that I work with are these, you know, massive, massive, massive organizations that have like, you know, either dozens or hundreds of applications or dozens of hundreds of brands and, and sub-brands and dozens of, you know, uh, different technologies, whether that's, you know, native technologies and, uh, you know, native Mac and Windows software and AR, VR and like yeah. even, even stuff like that, which is just crazy. So it's like, and then you're, the ideas you have, like, here is a design system that is meant to serve all of these different ecosystems and products and brands or like whatever it may be. So mm. it's, it's, it can get tricky and challenging and there's like a lot of different layers. There's a lot of different kind of things that are all sort of, there's a lot of balls you're juggling, a lot of sort of subsystems kind of within um, a design system that sort of travel to different places and, um, or, or, or not. Um, but yeah, so that's, that, that's generally it, but the approach that we tend to take when we build a design system with a client is that we actually sort of choose what we call pilot projects, which are like, here are okay. some good candidates. 
for things that we are already trying to get done, right? These are things like on our roadmap that are important to the business, important to our users, whether that's, yeah. oh, we're redesigning and rebuilding our, our checkout flow, or, oh, we're redesigning and rebuilding um, this dashboard of our application, or, oh, we're migrating this thing from Angular to React. And it's like, all of those are good opportunities to kind of like latch on to, like they're, because they're real. They're, they're real things that have to happen We'll say, okay, we're going to partner with you on this and we are going to sort of help um, you with get your work done. But then you're also going to help uh, us kind of establish this nascent design system. So you're using them as opportunities almost. There's for these transformation opportunities as a way to jump in and say, okay, this is where you kickstart. Yeah. And, and so what you get is this really nice kind of, again, this, this sort of uh, virtuous cycle between like, we are helping the product teams. The product teams are helping the design system, uh, yeah. sort of. And and then you know, so one pilot project like a checkout redesign or rebuild or something would give you loads of form fields and like all of that stuff, buttons, like a lot of that stuff, which is great. And then you might have oh oh, and then another pilot project is this redesign of this sort of marketing homepage over here, which gives us kind of big blocky things like, like a hero or cards or like, mm -hmm. you know, sign up things like chunkier, you know, kind of more like high impact stuff. And then, oh, we have this third project that will give us like this thing, which is, you know, sort of fills in more gaps. So, so there's a lot of the different criteria we, we look at, but the idea is that this pilot project process has been proven to be really successful as sort of cool. This gives us this subset of components this next pilot project gives us these other ones and like you kind of lather, rinse, repeat that process yeah. and then you end up with like a pretty robust uh, component set. But it's 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 not just about the the library because anybody can reach for, you know, material UI or, or uh, you know, ant design system or lightning design system or any of those ones that are out there. And I get that question all the time. I was like, why don't we just do what Salesforce are doing? Just do that. Yeah, just, just, just rip that, which is like, totally valid. What we found is almost more than the actual sort of like component library, the more important thing is really trialing the process of everything, helping yes. these teams work in a different way, think a bit differently about how they're going about designing and building products, but also trialing like the, here's how we get a component library into a product. And here's what happens if that someone reaches for the card component and it doesn't do everything that they need it to do, what happens then? Like like the, the governance process of this, like, oh, oh, that's a valid concern. Okay, like we need to add this feature to the card component in order to address that thing. So you're just as much, if not more, trialing processes and working with like the people and sort of trialing all of that stuff. Then yeah. it's that's more important than the actual um, you know, sort of the nitty gritty, like here's a react button kind of thing. It, it's far less important. That's, that's, I think another concept that, that pops up all the time with, with design systems is that it's like, it, it can be seen as this, like, oh yeah, it's just like a library. It's just, you know, it's a component library in code and within accompanying sketch file or a Figma file. And yeah, we have a design system, but it's like, so much of it has to do about the the people and processes and, and infrastructure kind of around those things. Absolutely. I mean, that you touched upon the contribution kind of aspect to design systems, because presumably 
I don't know if it's different with uh, with the clients that you work with, but from what I've seen, um, especially as part of enterprise teams, this concept of a, a dedicated team to manage a design system isn't always something that exists. Sometimes it's a community effort. Sometimes it's hybrid. It's a mix of both. But it seems to rely really heavily on being able to nurture a really positive culture, uh, change the way people think, Absolutely. change the way they work Absolutely. with each other. And yeah, the team, the team models and sort of like how you go about actually tackling this can be kind of challenging and stuff. And that, that yeah. tends to be, that tends to be uh, a pretty big tripping up point for a lot of the, the clients that I work with, especially whenever you get into things like, here's a centralized team, which is often like a brand for a brand new concept. So that can organizationally get just kind of weird where it's like, well, yeah. well, uh, our engineers live over in this part of the organization and like that, that hiring process happens there. And like one of the big things that like I've been harping on about for the better part of a decade is this concept of kind of like a uh, front of the front end designer, uh, like or, or developer. So it's like the, the term front end developer is like nearly useless now yes. where it says like, you know, you, you have to qualify it, right? You have to say like, okay, you do front-end development. Like, what does that actually mean? And like, you you could talk to, you know, many people who identify as, as front-end developers who do wildly, wildly different things. And that gets even more complicated with like full-stack developers and stuff where they're basically like, these people just do code. And a, a big, my big sort of hobby horse is like talking about how there's a difference in the kinds of code that people write, right? Sort of creating, yep. creating like the front end user interface experience is is a wildly different skill set than like authoring an API or wiring up services or writing a bunch of business logic. It's not to you know obviously those things are very very important, but there is also this important role of someone who really you know can master HTML, CSS, and presentational JavaScript in order to create accessible, responsive, flexible, performant, resilient, robust, extensible front end totally. code. Because presumably the risk is undervaluing that that skill set. And that, that's certainly what I've seen. Yeah, so 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 it gets challenging because we're basically like almost always our recommendation is like, you know, you need a centralized team to govern this yeah. product. This is a product, the design system is a product. And as such, you need a team to sort of run that product. And now that looks different. It, it, it looks different in different organizations, just depending on how, you know, competent, skilled uh, the rest of the teams are and stuff like that. Meaning, like, can you actually rely on a lot of contribution coming from the outside? But you at least need someone in sort of a centralized place to sort of like, you know, govern and curate and sort of like play sort of air traffic controller a little bit. But from like a, a skill set standpoint, and we've seen this with many of our clients, is like this concept of like a front of the front end developer that it's like, it's like, well, our engineering like lives over here. And what we're asking for is like, we want a very a kind of a specialist role or at least a couple specialist roles sitting on this design system team because they're the ones that are sort of like authoring that stuff packaging it up and then deploying it to these other developers who will sort of take and consume it um which is great because you end up sort of like kind of centralizing that that skill set and it's like 
it leads to a lot of um, risk reduction. Like you don't have to worry about some backend developer copying and pasting code and then just going, what does this ARIA crap mean? And just kind of like ripping it out of like the code. It's like, wait, no, that's important. <laughs> like, so so with, with these kind of like consumable component libraries, you're able to sort of have these like front end specialists working on that. And then the sort of handshake becomes uh, them working with this like API. But yeah, all this to say is like it, for a lot of these organizations, it's like a big shift. It's a big like cultural shift. It's like, well, wait. And we've seen, we've worked with organizations to fix that by way of like UX organizations kind of sneaking in and a couple a few front engineers end of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then it becomes this like kind of like big thing. They're like, well, what does that mean? And like everybody yeah. like kind of freaks out. And, um, but it's good. It, it It's good, but it's because things are different. Right. And like, that's a big part of design systems. It's like people are, you're, you're awesome. saying we are going to do things different. Right, we are going to do things differently than than how you've been used to doing it before, and that's going to ruffle some feathers. Or at the very least, it's like it's just going to like cause some form of like confusion or like where are the lines and like how are we going to sort of sort all this out? Which is why the design system team kind of establishing clear processes and all of that stuff is so important to the success of the thing. Joining me there was Brad Frost, creator and author of Atomic Design. That's all we've got time for today, but you can join us next week when Brad and I are going to pick up a conversation where we left off. See you then.